Hello and welcome back to the Game Pit. This is episode 138 and finally we are back <laughs> with Matthew Jude for our top 10 of 2018. Now we did start this one, didn't we Ronan? <laughs> Why are you sending it to me? Why am I getting pitched that particular ball? I don't know what you're doing. We started this list in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> did you not hear my recording from down at well explaining the situation? Ah, it doesn't matter to me. I've been ready. To, I've been ready for forty-six minutes to this point. <laughs> now that's Sean's fault. All right. He didn't Whose fault was it time. last time we tried to record and you were? That was my. That fault. was yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of blame here, but this is not a blame game. This is just people creating content and being happy about it. Matthew, <laughs> I always forget that last part about. <laughs> oh, you're meant to enjoy the things that you do with your life. It's great. Now we've got a list, but my list has changed in the last uh, in the last couple of months. I guess it's safe to say. But he, but he decided to tell us five minutes ago, which is the great oh, thing. I told you as well that I'd lost all sympathy for telling you things on time. <laughs> the top ten of twenty eighteen is done and dusted for me. I don't want to hear those words ever again. <laughs> anyway, I also have a bone to pick with you, Matthew. Oh yes. Oh, oh. I've been raising my second daughter for 13 and a half years. And recently, her sister got her into uh, whatever that podcast is called. Death by Monsters. That's the one. <laughs> she turned she went. she started talking to us about the Dial of Pass. The Dial of Pass, yeah. That's the one. She started chatting to us about it. <laughs> and we were having a little, you know, oh, a bit radiated. Oh, that's a bit scary. Oh, it's creepy, isn't it? Weird. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. And uh, I said, oh, I'm recording with Matthew on Friday. And that was the most impressed she's ever been by anything I've done in 13 and a half years of dragging that parasite up. That was what she was like, wow, really? <laughs> Two right. things to say about that. Basic little. The th- first thing is Dan Hughes' son also listens to the podcast and that enrages Dan because he likes it. And the second thing is that this podcast is not for children. <laughs> But I, from my experience of my social interactions with you, I imagine she's heard worse. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a character assassination already. <laughs> yeah, but weirdly enough, the Dyatlov Pass has just been reopened to the investigation into it, hasn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Is this one of those serial things where, like, because of your investigation, now official investigations are reopened? <laughs> Well, yeah, they th- they said Matthew's on it. He solved the case. We made open this. The Russian government said, "Open it up, get Jude in, fly him over." <laughs> You're the Colleen Rooney of Russia. That's me. I don't get that reference, but I think I half understand what you're saying. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm the Colleen Rooney of Russia. That's how I've been described <laughs> as many many times. Is that her name? I don't know. But yeah, so it, it got reopened because there's a new theory because of an incident that happened in Sweden. Catabatic winds! Anyway, board games. Ooh, how exciting. Should we just do an episode of Death by Monsters? Because, yeah, we're all done with this top ten. We tried about Well, do you know times. what? You are down on the underground. You're down there. Spooky things are happening. I could see an episode. Uh, yeah. I could I, see an episode. Some spooky stuff. I also saw, genuinely saw, a giant black cat in Oxfordshire last year. Go on. I don't mean giant as in it was a foot and a half long. I mean like a proper. <laughs> yeah, I was I was very wary about telling this story. So I'm always like, I got. So I look, 
from trains for things for a living. So let's get that in right. I look for <laughs> defective rails. Uh, I look for stuff that's stuck under current rails and whatever. I, I I am good at looking at things from trains. And I'm coming out of Oxford and I'm going along. And I looked into a, a, a wheat field and I saw a big massive black dog bounding along. And the first thing I did was look around and see, where's its owner? It's in the middle of nowhere. And then the tree went in the way. And then I looked back again. And the way it was moving and its tail was held out completely horizontal from its body and I was like that's a freaking massive cat and then obviously the train was going on and I couldn't see it then going past I was like, and I, re- I told about five people up until now because like, everyone's going to go you're a nutter could it have been a bin bag in the wind <laughs> okay I saw it for about 20 seconds so no oh Matt this is cool this <laughs> how is many beers were you in at that point None. I'd been to a Tolkien exhibition in Oxford with my brother who doesn't drink, so that was definitely That's not That's never that. stopped you. <laughs> it's like, we hadn't had any beers, but I was 16 meads deep. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'd been to an Entmoot, so I was quite high on life. I'm interested in this story. Um, write that in for a Home Strange episode, because that'd be fun to talk about. I think about. I just did write it in, mate. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, yeah, I will. And yeah, spooky things on the underground. Yeah, I've seen... I've seen uh, I don't know where I've seen, I don't know what the hell it was, but definitely seen people walk through walls and stuff like that. Well, that's pretty cool. That was just me on a night out. <laughs> she threw Who's he think he is, the Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's enough plug-in of your weirdness. Thank you. Should we get onto some games for these people? Uh, games are fine. <laughs> they're okay. They're, they're not massive black cats that no one will believe me who actually happened. They are not. Right, okay, let's crack into our... Top 10, and uh, we're going to start with young Mr. Jude. All right. Hello, I'm Matthew Jude. <laughs> My number 10 for 2018 is Coimbra. What's it called, Ronan? Coimbra. Close enough. So, yeah, <laughs> Coimbra. It's a dice drafting game. It's how it's pitched, right? You draft the dice at first for the number, then you use the dice later on for the colours. makes for a very tense dice draft because you've got to dice draft the dice to get the cards and there's two currencies you have to think about and at one point you will make that mistake somewhere along the line you go no i've got to pay military and you've only got coins but it's actually an engine builder you've got to combo all your cards off together and get if you don't have a good engine of cards going you're going to lose and it's very satisfying when it goes well when it goes terrible it's painful and i've had both experiences i also think one of the tracks is more powerful than the others and so do other people and gosh darn it I should know because I've played it. I haven't didn't play test it for like two years, but damn it, my opinions matter. Anyway, that's my number ten, Coinbra. Thoughts? So I've played it once, really enjoyed it. I, I own the game. I, it's one of those ones I plan to get back to, but for some reason I haven't got round to it. But yeah, I, I thought it was a very good game. Possibly would have been in my top 10 had I managed to forget a few more plays. I think Ronan may have a few worries about it. Well, I've only played it once again, so but I am definitely more lukewarm on it. My issue was that I went down a, a path that wasn't moving a lot around the monasteries, and in that play, it appeared to me that if you don't take that monastery movement around that map... You can't win. Well, that's it. There's, that's what I'm saying. That is the that's the one that seems to be overpowered slightly because it seems to be that if you can't, if you don't do that, you don't win because there's so much more bonus scoring to do because you hit thing you hit things and it, it explodes right. 
Yeah, so that's what I got for my first play. Like that, I hadn't gone for that. I'd gone for all the um, the rewards for trading down the bottom, yeah. and I went for a really high money income. And I was trying. I got like a thing to score points on my money, and that was all good. And I felt like I'd made a really good engine, and then came nowhere near winning, just because someone made an engine that what maybe wasn't as good as mine, but was in the monastery movement. So. I need to play it again with that knowledge to give it another go. So lukewarm at the moment with a prospect of rising. Very good. So my number 10 is Dice Hospital from Alley Cat Games. Game all about sort of placing dice as patients and curing them. I just really enjoyed the sort of fluidity of the game. I enjoyed like getting those dice, choosing the, the right ones for you, building up your hospital as you went then getting those patients out the door. It reminded me of an old game, as I mentioned in one of our reviews, called Theme Hospital. And I, kind of, I really liked the setting, and I thought the game did justice to it. So Dice Hospital was one of my favourites. I was tepid on this one. <laughs> <Not even laughs> You're lukewarm boy today, aren't you? Uh, just the first two. Go on, you boys will warm up. You'll, you'll find some sense eventually. <laughs> it was okay. A really sort of real lack of replayability in it. And we were all doing very similar things. It was perfectly pleasant. It had nice components. It wasn't a bad game in any means, but I don't need to go back to it. There's a couple of expansions coming out, isn't there, Matthew? Because you've, you've got all the components for them. Yeah, there's a, cu- there's a couple of expansions coming out, and they seem to be adding a bunch to this game. I think they're going to support it quite a lot. So uh, I think that might be what's needed. I think, that, I think it is what's needed with the game. So be interested. And there's so many places they can go with it. It's just nice to have a dice manipulation game that's not favor of the pharaoh <laughs> that's not overpriced and not as good as it's uh, its original version everything's anyway. possible at the end of favor of the pharaoh you just can roll seven twos and then six 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 you could just do it i wanted to like it so much <laughs> yeah so the original to court the king yeah we both really liked because it, it was tighter it was like oh it wasn't quite it was just right on the line then they decided to make it Really expensive and a bit looser, and it just fell apart. Yeah, this made it like kooky dukes, didn't they? Anything could happen at any time. It just didn't matter what you rolled because you could, at the, by the end of it, you could just change everything to everything else. Yes. Dice Hospital. Dice not Hospital. As bad as Favor of the Pharaoh. <laughs> Print that on the box. Matthew Jews. <laughs> TM? TM. TM it. You're getting famous nowadays. I see. Now that you're the serial of Russia. Now I'm the upcoming czar. <laughs> Putin's only 67. I thought he was like 902. He is. He's got like 20 years left of this fella. Well, he's partially mummified at this point, so who knows? He certainly is, yeah. (laughs) Mostly plastic. Okay, please don't kill me. Um, My number 10 for 2018 is Keyforge, the Richard Garfield FFG unique deck game in which every deck is unique, as you know, and there's two players and you're trying to not actually beat each other up. That's part of the game. You're trying to collect amber to unlock keys. And this game could have gone to 100 in the list or 3 in the list. I don't really know where to rate it. I just know that I really enjoyed it. I was really excited when it came out. I bought a load of decks. I played it several times. Every game was enjoyable. And I felt like it deserved a place in the top 10 for what it did. And for the fact that I had fun with it. And even like even the purchasing of a new deck was fun. It was the old Panini sticker thing of, you know, oh, what did I get? How's it going to work? And play it two or three times and go, oh, yeah, that's not as good as my, my one good deck that I'm keeping and playing forever. <laughs> but never mind. Let's not call that a waste of money. Let's say that Keyforge was my number 10 for 2018. The thing with Keyforge, right, is that it has that. It's, I think it's a good game. I really like Keyforge. But it does make you want to 
keep on buying more decks. I can't have many of those games in my life. I already dabble in Magic the Gathering. I don't need anything else that's going to... Oh, I could just buy a Keyforge deck. And they're on their third cycle now, and I do want to play the new cycles because it's a good game. I just wish I had someone that I could like, play it with more consistently because I do think it's a good game. I really like it. It's perfectly acceptable. It's a perfectly good game. I enjoy <laughs> it's a game. It. It's a game. <laughs> it is a game, which is, which is a start. I, I enjoyed my play of it, but I never went back to it. So maybe it's that type of game that I'm not attracted to. Myself and Matthew were having a discussion about it, actually, uh, the other day. And he, he talked to me about Magic the Gathering Commander, was it? That's it, uh, yeah. EDH yeah. Commander, yeah. Which which sounds like a, a really interesting ver- version of Magic the Gathering. So maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll stick with Keyforge. I'm not sure. I want to have one of those types of games in my life. There's a very good reason why you can't play much Magic at home, Sean. Why is that? Because you'll get destroyed. Yeah, Natalie will beat you. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will get destroyed. But She's played a lot of Magic. She's going to kick your ass. She's going to kick my butt. That's why Commander's good, because I'll come over, we'll play three-player Commander, it's full of politics, and any time that Nat gets up a tea, we can just destroy her. Up a tea. Good choice of words. You <laughs> remember that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I've got a few things to say about Birmingham. Look, <laughs> <laughs> move on, quick. You're already in trouble, Jude. Just quickly about uh, Keyforge. Went into <laughs> what I suppose is my local game shop, Waylands Forge in Birmingham, and they've got a Joy. good system going. Joy. They on the counter, they had a whole box full of Keyforge decks. And it was a it was a swap. You go in, you drop a deck off, and you pick another one. So if you get a deck you don't particularly like, you go there, you have a look through there, see if there's one you like better, leave yours there. I thought that was a very good idea. That's a great idea until you realise after four days you've got a box of shite Keyforge decks. <laughs> but, it, but it's not to belabor this uh, Keyforge, but it is cool because it's a, it's a, something that they used to do for Magic the Gathering, which is have uh, starter sets and stuff for people, for new players. You go into the, the uh, board game shop and a new player, they don't want to buy anything, so you, you they have starter sets. They used to do this. They, they have starter sets for people just to have, so that's also something kind of cool. First hit of crystal meth right there. I like how people are still covering up the uh, the code when they're trying to sell them online, as if anybody cares. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, your number nine, Matthew, controversial. Which is about to upset Roman. My number nine, <laughs> and it's at number nine because I've only played this once. So that's the controversial thing that as well. So so live with it. It's Everdell. I've only played the base game. I've only played it once. And I got absolutely, frankly, annihilated by Sean and Nat. They were still playing long after I was out, essentially. <laughs> Which I think is something that some people might not like, but I don't think it would happen quite as violently if I'd have played with any sense or reason. But it's great. I really like it. I love the way it looks. I think the tree does bug me a little bit, but I understand the reason for the tree. I think it's a really good tableau builder. It's something that ramps up loads. I kind of wish there's a bit more going on in the first round. Just at least, just even if it just felt like there's a bit more going on without there being anything going on. But I just think it's a really, really good game. It has its problems in the uh, business side, I believe, in the past. I really want to play it again soon. I don't need all the expansions and I don't need to back it on Kickstarter. But I would like to play the base game again. I think it's a really good game. I really enjoy it. I probably would have made this list if I had have played it in in good time. The only slight problems for me, obviously, you've got the shady business practice practices of the company behind it, but so the cards all chain off each other, 
and the printing on the cards is very hard to read. So you almost have to know the game. And that's one of the reasons that you didn't fare so well, Matthew. Oh, yeah, because at the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about that because I didn't notice it on the cards. Yeah. I literally didn't notice it on the card at all because it looks like the reference of the card numbers at the bottom. It's so tiny, but yeah. Yeah, so very tiny, but I, I think it's a really strong game. starts off very, very, very frugal, very everything's just doesn't seem like it's going to build up at all. And by the end, you're, you're well, supposed to be, not that, not on Matthew, but you're supposed to be chaining loads of things together and having massive rounds. So <laughs> great game. Pick you about the company. Yes. <laughs> Ronan? Yeah, I'm just stockpiling popcorn for the inevitable moment in which your man just rodeos away from this company, leaving a devastated customers and staff and business partners in his wake yet again and sets up another business to do it yet again because people never seem to learn. So whatever. I'm never playing it and he's never getting a penny of my money. Carry on. Other than that, it's a great game. Um, So my number nine is featured later in somebody else's list. We've got a little dice tower there. I like it. My number nine, I'm shocked it's not on anyone else's list. You you lot are wrong, and this should probably be higher up now. If I had rejigged it in a Matthew Jude style, this would have risen in the top ten. I'm just going to change my list again now, quickly. Just quick, hold off. Yeah, right, hold on. Let's get a pencil out to poke in his eye. <laughs> Quacks of Quedlinburg from Wolfgang Varsh and, and printed by loads of people. It's a bag builder where you draw it out and you're putting them around the spiral and you've got some bad chits in that bag which will cause your potion to blow up. So you can stop before you do that or carry on until you do it. And then where you get around your spiral is going to tell you how many points you score and how much money you have to purchase on new chits to put back in your bag. And you're trying to create potions. And I had no interest in playing it at all from the theme of like a medieval renaissance whatever it is fair to the presentation very euro and then there was so much good buzz from people i trust that i was like and it was at a reasonable price i said i'll grab it let's give this a go see what it's like and flipping out it's good and you can teach it to absolute non-gamers and it's one of those games where sometimes we teach two simple games to non-gamers and they're like oh right this is like other games i've played where i didn't really get it this is one of the games where you teach it and they because of the pacing of the game even though it's quick they discover more and they realize oh if i've bought that and put it in my bag it does that oh wow oh now i can buy more and not to patronize them but to give them an idea of the sort of thing that we see in games of building the engine and the satisfaction of doing something well this does this in a really smooth beautiful package and probably should be higher than my number nine incorrect It's fine, and I can totally see it blowing new gamers' minds, and I totally get that, and for that reason, it's absolutely great for people to play it, and I'll play it if it's out. I've got nothing really against it, but I just can't get over how lucky the game is, and it's just the fact that you pour everything back into your bag at the start of the, uh, each round, and then you draw it out, and you go, well, I bust again, and I'll try and buy something else, and you can be so far behind. I mean, I know, that, I know there's a catch-up mechanism with the rat tails and stuff, but it's fine. For me, it's just fine. I just find it is really a polarizing game. Even the table the other day, sort of Luke talked about enjoying it. Dan hated yeah. it. I liked it. Matthew was indifferent to it. Luke said the guy he played with it didn't like it, but somebody else really did. And I, yeah, it just seems to be dividing everybody. So it's the Marmite game, isn't it? You've got to create the theatre, Sean. <laughs> Is that what you have you've to do? You've got to have the, uh, you know, all the stupid things that we do to, and do the draw all together so you're not just sitting there drawing, miserably trudging around by yourself. And the, when the birdie thing comes out, going, caca, 
cock, a cock. Everyone stops and redraw. <laughs> that creates fun around the table. Some people are just inherently boring. Yeah, I, it looks it looks really boring, but I, I really enjoyed my game of it. I, I wouldn't place it in my top ten. I, I, I've got no urge to go and buy it, but I'd certainly play a game anytime. It's it's a lot of fun. It is lucky, but it's a lot of fun too. Yeah, it's lucky, but it's short, so I can live with it. <laughs> okay, Matthew, your number eight. My number eight is Fleet the Dice Game. Eat that world. You weren't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the one we were expecting. This is the, like the hipster choice of 2018, right? Where oh, shit. A few <laughs> content creators who are just fully behind this game going, this is the best roll and write you'll ever play. And it's, you know, is it going to work? It's, is it going to get some traction? I'm not a roll and write fan. I'm really not. And No, same. But I'm you are just, a hipster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just find roll and write. Every time I play roll and write, I'm just like, okay. That was fine. Don't need to do that again. I like Ganshon Clever on my phone, and Fleet the Dice game has that kind of like lore about it. It's got it's it's a bigger game than Ganshon's Clever by quite a lot, but it's got it's combo tastic, right? And it's like boom, 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 this, 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 and you do something, and you go this, 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 and it's got two phases, and it just goes off, and it's very satisfying when that happens. So that's the reason I like Fleet the Dice game. I like the theme. I like. I think it looks nice and stuff as well. There's only other one other roll and write at the moment that I'm interested in, and that's Rome and Roll, which is on Kickstarter at the moment. And yeah, Plastic Soldier Company, right? Yeah, but the problem with Rome and Roll is, is why wasn't it called Roman Right? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why wasn't it's called Roman Roll? That doesn't feel. That sounds weird. But Roman, right? You'll find a Ronan Roll on my price list on my uh, <laughs> on my you know exclusive website. Ronan, right? It's great. So uh, yeah, flip the dice game. It's a it's a really it's a really good roll and write game. That I think you are full of shite, Matthew Jude. You like Cat Cafe? <laughs> I picked up two roll and write games in the cafe the other day we were in you said both of them were really enjoyable you like this one you're interested in Ro- roman right <laughs> see it's hard to say in it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you like roll and right games don't lie to me they're, yeah they're fine they're fine they're fine like they're fine like they're fine look they're fine <laughs> are they're they fine, fine. Are they fine Tell us if they're fine or not. Well, I wouldn't want to put it in such uh, specifics as that. <laughs> Stuck tips. <laughs> Fleet the Dice game. I didn't particularly get on with Fleet, the original. Uh, it was okay. I'm not really bothered about Fleet the Dice game. I can take it or leave it. So it's probably not for me. Yeah, I just need convincing on any roll and write. So, but from you and other people saying how great it is, this is possibly the one roll and write that I'm actually looking to get a game off whereas all the others I just actively are running away from so yeah cool I'll bring it let's go I want to play it my number eight features later on somebody else's list as does my number eight so we're back to Matthew this has worked out great my that was a funny noise Sean (laughs) I might have to edit that out or something no leave it It was really no. Long. Do you like roller coasters? No. You sound like you'd punctured yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Again, oh, it is Can not hard. <laughs> My number seven, because we're on number seven now, is uh, Forum Trajanum. Yeah, Forum Trajanum. Stefan Feld, best game that he's did last year. I've made a decision. I've changed opinions on certain things. Hold on, what happened to Carpe Diem? Look, the thing with Carpe Diem is I like it but it just keeps on going down my rankings and I just keep on looking at it on my board game shelf and going, 
I'll play something else. And that's a bad sign. Is it just because of the components? Are they putting you off that much? No, not in the slightest. It's nothing, nothing to do with the components at all. Because I thought Carpe Diem might be your number one, and now it's like it's not even in your top ten. Spoiler. Maybe if I went back to Carpe Diem and played it a few more times and stuff, and got like got more excited about it, I just keep on looking at it and going and picking something else. Maybe it's because it's a very grey box. But that normally doesn't bother me. But Aforinto Janum is on my list because it's uh, it's kind of an all bells and whistles, heavy, big, deep Stefan Feld game. And it does a lot of stuff I like. It may, I think you've got a really interesting decision every single turn with what you keep and what you give to your opponents. And then when you see that you've made a mistake yet again, it's your fault. And they're doing great. And I just like the way that you can manipulate things in it. And uh, there's lots and lots to go for. It's massively point salady. I just think it's a really, really solid Stefan Feld game. And Stefan Feld is uh, fantastic in my books. I've met him. I don't know if you've uh, seen that photograph. It's pretty good. But yeah, Forum John. <laughs> Didn't you stalk him in a restaurant or something? Look, that ha- that was an accident. And uh, <laughs> mm, that was my defence too. <laughs> you, you accidentally sat on his lap and ate his soup. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be in that restaurant, and I tell you, I accidentally started licking his bald head. I tell you what, I was very embarrassed, and and I was sat with a few people, and they were finding it very funny, so they kept on shouting Stefan Fell, and I would kept on. It was very embarrassing, but yeah. Were you with twelve year olds? No, I was with content creators. <laughs> twelve year olds, <laughs> same same. <laughs> so forum Trajanum Trajanum is my number nine for the year. So obviously, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a very, very strong game. Thoroughly enjoyed the point salad. Loved the, the sort of communal area in the middle and trying to stitch each other up there. Yeah, just a really, really strong game and one of Natalie's favourites. So yeah. it gets plenty of play in our house. That's why I've lost all the games I've played of it, I think. Yeah, she's a, she's a shark at it. And you're both wrong. It's not very good. <laughs> That decision of which card to take is just so dull because no. I've got to keep the one that works for me. There's too much going on. You can get boxed in on your own little grid. Look, just because you don't understand the game doesn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> I do like 10-minute trick takers, mostly. <laughs> um, it's just too dull and there's too much going on. There's too much flip over and all the scoring is so close and it's got to hinge on that central mechanism and that central mechanism of I choose between two cards is not enough for all the other crap that's all around it and you've got to give me more in the middle before you build up all the other layers otherwise it collapses under its own weight stupid colour choices where player colours are the same as the colours of areas are the same as workers and it just didn't work for me on any level I will agree with that last point strongly Yes, that is true, that there was some, yet again, and Stefan Feld game with strange design choices in the production. <laughs> yeah. Architects of the West Kingdom is my number seven. Big fan of Shem Phillips' design anyway, with Raiders of North Sea possibly my favourite out of his designs so far. In this game particularly, I love the arresting mechanism. So you're building up, you're building up slowly. Other people have got then that sort of conundrum do they join you in and increase their move but then at the same time your next move to an area will be stronger just i really i thought a really well balanced game that plays really quickly for for the depth of it and it's gone and it's out out there a lot quicker than a lot of games of its depth so 
a strong game is Architects of the West Kingdom for me. Yeah, Architects of the West Kingdom is probably the one that I kicked out for Keyforge's pity. Uh, not pity, but, you know, weird entry. Richard Garfield needs that pity, doesn't he? He's only done a few. <laughs> He's only had a few hits. <laughs> I also send him tinned potatoes and pairs of socks on Tom <laughs> just to make sure he's okay. Um, we play, uh, it got requested again the other day. I played it at Handycon. It keeps coming back out and people keep enjoying it. And it's the fact that it's constantly changing. You're having to evaluate whether... And every time you put a worker down, you're giving someone else the opportunity to arrest them if you're going to a certain area. But sometimes you need to rush one area and go, I'm getting this. I'll get one, two, three, four, knowing that they're going to get arrested. But then that's going to set you up for your moves. It's so quick. That's what gets first-time players. You're not building up a huge engine. You're just going bang, 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 bang. And you need to be clear what direction you're going in at the beginning, which again can trip up first-time players, but makes repeated plays worthwhile because the game does change. You have to react to the cards that you get dealt and decide what you're going to do. So I really like Architects of the West Kingdom. It's not in my top 10, and that to me speaks to the fact that I think 2018 had a lot of very good games in it. The thing with Architects of the West Kingdom is that it's... It's fine. I really wanted to like this game, and it's it's the first in, in that series of games that I've played. And I, I played with some people who really liked it, and I was really excited about playing it. And I thought, oh, I get one wood. I'll wait until my next turn. Uh, now I get two wood. That's great. I need about fifteen wood, so this is going to take all day. <laughs> I, I found it a bit laborious, if I'm honest, but. I love the way it looks, and I like the corruption uh, mechanism in it. I think that was interesting. I really want to play the other games. I'm very excited for Paladins as well. I think we've both... Have we both kick-started Paladins, Sean? We have, yes. Yeah, so that's going to be coming soon. So, yeah, we're both excited for that. Yeah, I'm sure. I think I like Paladins. It's meant to be the deepest one of the games. I I didn't think there was enough going on in Architects of the West Kingdom, maybe. I I know get the idea that you're having to go back to the same space again and again, but... When we've played turns are so yeah, quick. that's true, that's true, and there is, and it is fun to say, <laughs> I just arrested all your people, but that does make it go oh, one again, two again, but yeah, <laughs> so I see from both sides. I think maybe I'm just being a bit harsh on those games because they, I mean, I'm the only one that doesn't like them in the whole world. That's right, in the whole of the earth. That's why it's at people's number of at least seven. Sean, any final points on Architects of the West Kingdom? No, just that Matthew's wrong. And he's obviously only discovered one action space there. Just collect wood. <laughs> collect stone. I'm sure I do. If you get a card that says you get half a point per piece of wood you have at the end of the game. <laughs> That's what matters. I only understood one bit of it, so I just kept on doing that. <laughs> I'm building a bonfire. That's it. Okay. My number seven is Escape Tales The Awakening <laughs> from... I've just sorry you can you, you can cut this out of the podcast. I've just thought about what it says in the rules. In the very unlikely event that you run out of wood, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, let's put this to the test. <laughs> Brackets, Matthew Jude. <laughs> <laughs> Only one in two thousand game <laughs> test games. It never came up wood. in the play. Matthew testing. was there. <laughs> sorry, they you, put multipliers in just for you. You were talking, sorry. <laughs> It's okay, it's okay. I've got 800 wood, I must win! Something. Right, It's my number seven is Escape Tales The Awakening. It's from Border Dies, from Bartosz Idzikowski, Jakub Caban and Mac Dembeck. It's an escape room game with a more occult sort of a theme to it, with some darker ideas where you're trying to save the soul of your daughter by going into sort of a, a nether region, if you like, and an other side and I liked it for lots of different reasons. One is the fact that 
it's darker and I like the whole theme of it. And maybe because I've got two daughters, I was slightly more engrossed in that. And secondly, the puzzles were at the right level for me. Now, I think that with escape room games, as I've discovered recently, we just played a deckscape and the puzzles were... They just didn't... They were fine when I look at them objectively, but I didn't really jibe with them, so I wasn't having the best time. Oh, it was okay. With this Escape Tales The Awakening, I just thoroughly enjoyed the puzzles. I enjoyed trying to work it out and getting it wrong constantly and having to turn to the other people at the table and say, what are we doing? And it really created a story for me. And I didn't just feel like you were that thing of somehow by chance you're locked in a room how did this happen again it, i was actually doing something and making some progression and making some choices and the other thing is that there's multiple endings to it you're not just going to one destination and that was enough for me to push it into my top 10 i had a great time playing escape tales the awakening and the next escape tales is due at Essen 2019 and i'm looking forward to trying that as well i don't know anything about this game really and i'm into i'm interested so there you go i'm yeah you sold me on this that sounds fun I like the. Given that I've played it, I will pass it on to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's just that I've liked some escape games, but I've never feel like they feel very grand, right? This sounds like it has a bit more grandeur to it, a bit more of a fully rounded world, almost. Do you know what I mean? So that sounds interesting to me. Yeah, and it's it's designed for multiple plays as well. I think it's about five or six hours to get through the whole story. So it's not just a 60 minute and done sort of a job, which again I think helps make it feel like it's meatier and a proper experience. Yeah, for this one, I've played it once. I really enjoyed it. I think this one would definitely be in my top 10 if I'd have played it a little bit more. It was the atmosphere that grabbed me with this one. It's, it is so atmospheric. You do feel that tension. You do feel you're getting sucked into this sort of weird, frightening world. And you can you can feel that around you with the, the way it all works together so yeah it's a really strong because i was blowing softly on the back of your neck it was really <laughs> subtle i'm used to that now but yeah yeah good good choice Ronan. It, it would almost definitely be in my choice i'm a bit worried about the size of your top 10 of all these games that would definitely be in it <laughs> <laughs> made it in i'm not sure what would happen are you saying that your number 10 is really a bit rubbish <laughs> <laughs> My number 10 is possibly my number 15. <laughs> well, we all know that Sean suffers from the problem that all the all the companies have paid him so much to rate their games high that, you know, he, well, he can't, it, can't believe a thing he it. says. It's, it's, Chill! It's the price of fame. <laughs> <laughs> they paid me $600 to say that Everdell wasn't terrible and I just couldn't turn <laughs> that kind of money down. My soul costs more than six hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, it really you. doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> Oi, I said my soul, not my body. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, the game would like to reiterate that we have never accepted any mandatory gains from any publisher. I feel like I need to put this spoiler out. At this point, I need to say that this game is broken. Has never been offered any money. To- <laughs> I always see this this review we- thing. It's like who's offering? No one's ever offered me any money to do. We've been offered. We have been like, very rarely, but we have been often like, oh, how much does it cost? We do a video for such and such. We're like, look, if you want a video, send me the game. There's like definitely no fee. No, no, no. Let's get it right. The first question is, have you ever seen one of our videos? <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Okay. So, Matthew, you're number six. My number six comes sponsored by Peg... No, my number six <laughs> is Crown of Amara. <laughs> which I think was a bit of a sleeper hit for this year. I think a bit of a hidden gem before it got quite a lot of mainstream buzz because I know that Rodney Smith from what he played enjoyed it as well. I think he spoke about it a bit, but, you know, I like to think that I, I showed him it. He only liked it because he watched me review. Let's say it. 
I'm a tastemaker. So Crown of Amara. The content creator's content creator. Well, that's me. I don't get many views, but they, they, they mean more. I looked at your channel. You get more views than we do. I'm gutted. <laughs> what, the people not using their eyes? Wait, he's Colleen Rooney. Of course he does. I fundamentally don't understand this reference. But What's wrong with you, Wagatha Christie? Yeah, anyway, get on with it, Colleen. Crown of Amara by the same designer who recently came out with Hadara, which will definitely be on... If I did this list next year, it would be on the best of 2019. Because I love Hadara. I think it's fantastic. Well, for now, I might hate it by the end of the year. Who knows? But Crown of Amara is a game where you've got two rondelles and you've got this whole thing where you've got these cards. You've got three cards in your hand and you can you just play them out and do the actions. But you can put each card in one of three spots on your board. So you technically got nine cards. But because you've got two boards, it means you've actually got 18 choices. And it kind of spirals out. You're trying to do all the normal euro things of getting resources to give to different bunches of nobles and the church and the king and all that kind of stuff but the way it does it it's really interesting and it's very exciting and fun because you want everything in the game has diminishing returns other than fun uh and that's the the, uh like uh, if you get points at the church for instance you get more points the earlier you go but you don't have as many resources to trade in so do you trade in three now and get more points or do you wait until you got four or five to get more points but someone else has gone there so the value's gone down it's full of tough decisions and i think a fantastic euro that uh, i think more people should give a chance to yes so crown of amara was my number eight choice and yeah like you matthew it was that agony of choice with the two sort of rondelles going on you just wanted to do so much in the game you had so many plans and you can't quite pull it off and it's it's very very brain hurtingly good it's yeah. just one of those ones that really hurts you and you really want to do more and it's agony not to but you finish the game thinking that was a really good game every time i have to think about crown amara i feel like charles Lindbergh. <sighs> you're never getting it back just stolen from me it's the Shergar of the board game world. So, Crown of Amara, we did get a copy last lesson, and like lots of the games, we share them between ourselves. <laughs> and uh, Sean stole this one and never gave it back. So, I've never played it. And you oh, never you'd love it. Will. <laughs> yeah, I think I would. I really think it would be right up there in my top 10. Really do. If only I could see it again. Right, moving on to my number six. And it's a family game. It's Stuff Fables from Plaid Hat. And it's a game that myself and my family have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. It's a game all about a little girl whose toys defend her at night when the, the horrible creatures come out from under the bed. So quite creepy if you think about it. And some of the creatures are very creepy in it, like those, those Toy Story spiders with the doll's heads are in there and stuff like The game itself is all about the unfolding story as the toys defend the little girl. And the board itself is is a book that unfolds for every different story that goes on. My son just loves loves the storyline, loves getting involved. The game itself, and we always say this about plaid hat games, there tends to be not the tightest set of mechanisms. So sometimes we do have to house rule, but the story just overwhelms everything else and leaves us with a great experience. So maybe not the greatest technical game, but a great experience. Stuff fables. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, 
my kids are just a bit too old for me to have, have really enjoyed stuff fables i haven't played it there's nothing about it that's going to bring it into my household because we're, they're a bit older but i can definitely see that were they of the right age range we would have had a great time with it so it's just one of those things where the kid or family games that you play are very generational and very much as they grow up there's certain bits and gaps that you miss and and this is just one that i missed I always look at this, right, when I see it, on if it comes up, because kids grow out of it and then people want to get rid of the game. And it never goes down in price, which is unfortunate. But I've like, because I've got a, a niece and she's not even two yet, but I'm like, I should maybe buy Stuff Fables because I hear good things about it. And when she's eight, she can buy it. But um, that is definitely not a trap, Matthew, that will end up you wasting hundreds of pounds on games that never get played. That's exactly I it. I promise. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, I think I would like to play this with my niece eventually, unless something better comes out. So Something better than your niece? Yeah, unless my sister has a, a better child, so I can ignore one of them. I, I, haven't got, I haven't got energy for both, let's face it. There's room for improvement here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, four or five, once they can understand a storyline, not be too frightened by it, the creepy things coming out under the bed. And you can you can quarterback them through this, and they'll still get a great experience because they can roll the dice and fight the monsters, etc. So definitely about four or five. Ronan, that was stuff fables. Your number six will not be mentioned here because it's later on in someone else's list. But what we are going to do is take a quick break, and we'll be back in about fifteen seconds with our top fives of twenty eighteen. And we're back again. So after some more slight technical hitches, <laughs> we're, we're joining you with our top five. That now. makes jokes about ghosts all the time. And as soon as he comes on our podcast, for the first time in six and a half years, things have started going wrong. <laughs> anyway, right. Cracking on, Matthew, you're number five. My number five, I feel like you're going to disagree with. But, oh well, it's Blackout <laughs> Hong Kong. Uh, an Alexander Fister game that I like, which is not a sentence I thought I was going to say. But I, I like Island Sky, I suppose. That's, that's a good game. But yeah, Blackout Hong Kong is a game where you're trying to help the community, which, yes, is a bit gross, but you know. Uh, and there's been a blackout in Hong Kong, and which isn't at all like... Anyway, and what you're doing is you're trying to make these sets of cards to do special things. It's a whole rig. I can't explain it. It's so brain burnery because you've got to try and put houses, like houses, I guess, around different areas. And when areas are secure, you get points for them, but then you can't raid those areas for goods. And you've got to try and desperately to get the exact right colored set, like a blue or a yellow or a yellow and a red to get a bonus in one of your action spaces because you're playing three cards down a turn and you also want to get all your cards back because you need to use them again. Oh, I absolutely was so... Probably my biggest surprise of last year was enjoying Blackout Hong Kong. I really wanted to like it. I just I just found it a bit faffy, a bit fiddly. I hated the design of it, the dark board. I find it really hard to see things on the board. Just even the art design didn't like it, but yeah, just found that I was I was just uninterested throughout the game, and I think I won the the games that I played of it. So it wasn't that I didn't grok it; I just I just wasn't interested. It didn't excite me at all. So it was a bit of a miss for me. But I I am in the minority. Lots of people do love this game. I like it a lot. I uh, played it six or seven times. By the end of that run, it started to fade slightly. So I made a harsh executive decision in that I got rid of it 
so that it wasn't sitting on my shelf and it wasn't there going, oh, I should play that again, but oh, I don't know. Now, if someone gets out Blackout Hong Kong or suggests it, I can go, oh, yeah, great, because it's not a home, so it's a rare chance to play it. I go, great, I'll enjoy this play. And then I can wait a few months until someone else suggests it again. Whereas if I had it at home, it would feel like a thing that I should be playing, but I never would. Does that make any sense? It does make some sense, but it also sounds like a, like a Ronan problem. Yeah. <laughs> too many it sounds games. like a, yeah, too, too many gamers. Me, me and Matthew only have each other. That's true. Yeah, well, go, um, I don't know. Go, go to Hell's Owen Board Game Club, man. Go and do stuff. I don't know. You live in the sticks. <laughs> So top top twenty game for the year from me. I like how you've already discounted your wife, <laughs> game of friends. But I, I also found out that my board is uh, a lot brighter than the first edition board. It's not like a black board; it is black and white, but it's way more white than it is black. So I think I got a second edition printing. So I think that probably did help because it's not quite as bleak as the original printing. I don't think so. I am now Googling what that second edition board looks like, but by all means, we can carry on, short. Okay, you Google away, and I'll, I'll tell my number five. It is Empires of the Void 2, Red Raven Games, by my my darling, Mr. Lowcat, Ryan Lowcat. Half a game locket. Who, who, who does tend <laughs> to make... Oh, half- Matt, what, Matt, Matt, what is that, Matthew? <laughs> what is that new board? It's good, isn't it? It's completely different. Yeah. Sod whatever. Oh, I'm going to have to Google it now. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> oh, my. Sean, you should play this version. You might like it. If you want to see oh, the board, you can always check out This Game is Broken, the board game comedy panel show. We've got a YouTube channel as well. And, uh, you know, we did a great little review of this one. It's pretty it's good. It's great that that's getting edited out. Okay. <laughs> that that yeah. does look much better. You were right. What were you wittering about, Sean? Half a game, Lowcat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So he does have a tendency to to make a game, then make it better a couple of years later. Right? Empires of the Void, obviously, two obviously follows on from Empires of the Void, and Empires of the Void was almost a great game. Empires of the Void <laughs> two was that great game, sprawling across across a galaxy. There's battle in there. There's improving your ships and your planets and holding on to those planets. There's special powers. It's, it, it feels like a really epic game but it doesn't play that long it is a two-hour game but not not that much longer so i just i just thoroughly enjoyed it obviously the artwork is beautiful it's it's ryan laucat so the game that empires of the void should should have been empires of the void 2 was fine game i enjoyed it another one that's going to be top 20 for me not not quite top notch but yeah good choice sean i don't know why i haven't played any of his games I've played the only game of his I've actually played is uh, Artifacts Inc., which is uh, like a dice play, a dice game, which I quite yeah, like. Yeah, that was decent. I think uh, Empires of the Void, not Empires. We're just talking about Empires of the Void. The Ancient World was the one that, that I really, really enjoyed. But he made a second edition of that too. <laughs> but I've not played Near and Far. I don't know. I think it's because they're story narrative campaign games like Near and Far, Above and Below, Up and Down, Left and Right, all those games. They're, there's In and Out, so that's a fascinating one. Uh, I've just They all seem to be like um, story-driven a lot and it makes me feel like, oh, okay, no game there then, just a good story. But I think I'm wrong. I think near and far will probably be the one that disproves that. I think above and below, certainly, it wasn't a strong game at all. Or me and Ronan certainly didn't think so. Right. So that was your number five, Sean, Empires yes. of the Void 2. Yes. My number five shall not be spoken of yet. 
Well, indeed. So straight on to old Judy, 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 Judy. Yeah. My number four is. Hold on, I've got something for this. <laughs> My number four <laughs> is. Uh, I haven't. It's coming up later, but it's uh, it's a good game. Let me tell you that. I'd say it's the fourth best game of last year. Well, there you go. <laughs> Spoilers. Anyway, so my number four is not featured on anybody else's list. It is Arkham Horror, the third edition. No. <laughs> Sorry. Shut it. Have you even played it, Matthew? No. I'd love to as well. I've never played it. <laughs> I've just been an absolute... I'm being a yeah. contrarian. You, you were a buffoon, sir. Everyone who's listened to this knows that I really love it. Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror... Really, really strong games for me. I got in, Arkham Horror is one of the reasons I got in back back into the hobby. I just really, really loved it. What I was looking for was a trimmed down version, and that's what I got in the Arkham Horror Third Edition. It brought a lot of the magic from Arkham Horror Eldritch Horror, but trimmed it down, streamlined it, made it accessible in a two-hour window. And yes, it's not as good as either of those, but what you have is a tactical game rather than this real narrative game. There is narrative there, obviously, but more tactical and not the brilliant game that they are. Otherwise, it would be obviously number one, but still a very good game. That's Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. I enjoyed it. I just think it was a bit of a misstep. I think it's a system that another theme could be put on easily and that's not true of most of the Arkham games and that's almost the signature of those whatever they're called the Arkham Files games whatever is that they are seeped in theme and this one is not this one is a puzzle and it's a very tight co-op in which you are forced to react to what's going on on the board rather than having that narrative choice of ah oh, I think I'll go over there and see what's going on or I'll go become a witch doctor or I'm going to search in the library whether no, no I have to do this and I have to deal with this issue or as in other tighter crop games it will just spiral out of control and no one's going to have any fun so the game very much forces you into actions much more than i would expect from this sort of game so i think it was a very curious choice to make this system the third edition of Arkhamora because it's so different but if you take it on its own merits as a co-op game it's a fine game just a bit bit of bit of a weird one i frankly cannot add anything to this conversation <laughs> So let's move right along. I do, I do want to play. I do want to play one of these games, and I'd like to play it with people. Uh, Eldritch who... is the one you should play and play it with me and Ronan when we're way yeah. into our cups. Well, it's because because playing it with people who love it will make that game a better game as well. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh... Also, Arkham Horror was was one of my uh, my negative moments of 2018. I left my original copy and my original luxury rule book in the back of one of my cars, which then had a leak. One of your cars? One of my cars. One of his cars. I didn't realise we were on cribs. (laughs) (laughs) One of our cars. And, yeah, both of them absolute crap heaps. But, yeah, this one in particular, because it obviously leaked, and the the boot flooded, and the game got absolutely destroyed to the point where I flung it against the wall and stormed off. And uh, some, some lovely chap bought it for me again for my birthday. So clearly no one on this podcast, because no. you don't like us. No, obviously, obviously. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Thanks for that story. There you, go. Home. there you go. Okay, <laughs> my number four, uh, I'm just going to lower the volume of my speakers because Matthew's going to shout at me. It's Brass Birmingham. 
fine choice. For <laughs> <laughs> <What> an idiot! <laughs> I've never played it, but I've just got no desire to play it. I'm talking first about this. I've no, I've never played it. I've no, no desire to play it, mainly because it's set in Birmingham, which is, as we've said before, in a podcast that no longer exists, is the worst place that exists, and it's terrible here, and it's awful, and Birmingham's terrible, and no one's. You're ever come such here. a misery. If you could smell the colour grey, that's Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but those blooming those clays are nice. You can pay sixty sixty dollars extra for those clays. <laughs> I didn't order extra clays, but the actual clays are amazing. Anyway, Brass Birmingham it is the Gavin Brown and Matt Tolman reworking of Martin Wallace's original Brass, which has now become Brass Lancashire. So I didn't include Brass Lancashire because that is the original game with a very very small like Jade, but Brass Birmingham, they tweaked it a bit and they brought in more things you can build and they brought in specific markets and they brought in a beer mechanism which you require beer to move certain things around. And it is almost the perfect reworking of an already almost perfect game. I love Brass so much and I played it so much when it first came out in 2008 that I understand the system. I am the ideal audience for the Birmingham reworking because I can see what they did and it refreshed things. This should be the starter game of brass that you pay because it's got slightly slightly more forgiving ish and there's slightly different things you can do and it's, it's harder to get blocked out of markets and things and then brass lancashire is like the old mean older brother who's been through more and is a bit more battle scarred and a bit more <laughs> wary and then go on to that for the real tight old-fashioned euro meanness that you can really block each other off so I just think they did an amazing job, both of production, of the reworking. I think it looks great. I'm sure it's a wonderful area to live in that I only ever visit very fleetingly and get out of as soon as I can. And my number four is Brass Birmingham. It's a game I do need to try. I really do need to play Brass at some point. But I presume you mean Lancashire because you refuse to play on this board. I'm sorry. You know, people have been angry about, and I mean this, people have been angry about Blackout Hong Kong, the way it looks. I don't understand how different that is from Brass Birmingham. It's a big, giant, grey sprawler. You lunatic. I, honestly, I'm, I'm genuine. I, maybe I'm prejudiced because I'm from Birmingham and I hate it here. Well, I'm from near Birmingham. I wouldn't say I'm not from Birmingham. Jeez. <laughs> I'm from the black country. You know, a bit more history, a bit more heritage. I just think it looks so dismal. I think it <laughs> Anyway. Did you have sunglasses on? Did you not? Were you seeing it from afar? It's really, really the artwork is gorgeous. It's amazing. It looks so stylish and so cool. I really, really think it's a lovely looking game. For the game to say, it's in my top 20. I think the reason for that is that I I still haven't got through playing Brass Lancashire enough. I, I didn't play it to death when it first came out. And I got the, the reprint and I'm still enjoying that. And I think Brass Birmingham was just a little bit too much for me at the time. Because I was, I was still sort of getting my head around Brass itself. So... I think eventually Brass Birmingham will be a strong game. And I enjoy having the fact that it has my hometown, my new hometown, on the board. Never be your hometown. (laughs) I will play it, and I'm sure it'll be good, but I'll (laughs) be very angry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was my number four, Brass Birmingham. Okay, my number three is Heart of Crown Fairy Garden. Oh, yes. Now, this is bright and colourful and lovely and joyous. 
unlike other games that have been mentioned. It's a uh, it's a new standalone expansion to Heart of Crown, which is a deck builder from Japanime Games, and it's fantastic. It doesn't have the same problems as some other deck builders from Japanime Games, which are full of Japanese maids. The, the artwork is actually really lovely and like nostalgic and whimsical and stuff, really. And it's really great. And it's a deck builder where you are ha- you can chain your actions using arrow system in the cards. So it kind of like helps organize what you can do on your turn. It's just a, such a solid deck builder and I absolutely love it. It's the, it's the deck builder I really like. So when this expansion came out, standalone, I thought I had to get it. And it's one of the only things I've ever backed on Kickstarter. And I want more people to play it and give it a chance heart of crown fairy garden this is the one i would go with over getting just uh heart of crown i like deck builders i'd never heard of this until you brought this up but three years ago when we first recorded but <laughs> i you promised to bring it round. uh myself and nat both really enjoy deck building so i am more than happy to give this a go but uh other than that i know nothing about it now you enjoy deck building. War of the Worlds last episode, you didn't enjoy deck building. <laughs> oh, but for Matthew's deck builder, you enjoy it. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> no, I see what's going on. It's fine. Uh, yeah, a 2013 expansion for your number three game of the year. That's, that's an odd choice. It's a standalone <laughs> expansion, Ronan. <laughs> From six years ago. <laughs> it got an English release last year. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um... Sure, I love a deck builder too. Let's give it a go. It's one of those things because I'm not particularly, I don't follow deck builders anymore. So they do kind of all blur into one and, and it needs personal recommendations or something to grab my eye to go like, right, this one's a bit different. This one's got something special to it. And when that happens, I'm certainly happy to give them a go because I do love the mechanism. So by all means, Matthew, bring it around to me as well. You'll steal it. <laughs> <laughs> like your heart. That's true. <laughs> My number three appears later on somebody else's list. Oh, that's high up, isn't it? (laughs) My number three appears right now as Matthew's number two. Um, Means he gets to introduce it because he stole it by one place. I've managed to do this for the entirety of this list. (laughs) My number two game of the entire year, 2018... Is uh, Castell or 2013? <laughs> I I got rid of we you, we all know what my list looked like last time we did this. I have made some changes <laughs> due to popular outrage from you two. <laughs> Yellow and Yanks is really good. All right, I know it's a bit like Tigers and Euphrates. Castell is the unsung hero of this year. It's a fantastic, fantastic, amazing. Deep, thinky, brain burnery puzzle from hell, and I absolutely love it. And it disguises itself in all these pastel colours and serene-looking, gorgeous artwork and the biggest sack in ball gaming. But it's actually a demon of pain in your brain, and it's fantastic. You're going around making these troops of castellas, or whatever they're called, to put on performances, to be the biggest human pyramid, to wow spectators... But the way that makes you do it is so agonizingly terrible for your brain. It absolutely... I tried once to film a two-player run-through of this game, and I just couldn't. I gave up about three rounds in. I thought, I can't do two people's castells and think about two people because it's just too much for my brain to handle at once. It's just oh, it's absolutely wonderful, and I love it. But you can talk about it more. 
Well, I'd only be echoing what you said, I think, because I absolutely the same thing. Simple enough mechanisms that you look at it and you go, oh, okay, this is easy enough to play, easy <laughs> yeah. to teach. And then you suddenly start trying to do it. And yeah, you'll be able to do stuff really, really badly. <laughs> and you go, why are you person who's played it twice before? Why have you scored four times the number of points? What? Where does... Oh, and it has to click. And it's presented beautifully. It doesn't take an age to teach, but it is a lot of depth and a lot of consideration. And you have to plan ahead for what festivals you want to hit and build your, your towers accordingly. But also be flexible because if other people are getting in and grabbing those numbers when they're drafting the cards from the different areas on the board and suddenly you're rinsed and you can't get any more fives, you may have to then switch a room and go, oh, but there's loads of fours out on the board. Okay, actually probably higher numbers than that. There's loads of nines out on the board. That can be the base of my period. And then you suddenly start trying to grab them. But that adjusts where you're going to move because there's special actions you take. You get one move every turn. You can use your special action to move again to make it more flexible to make more festivals or get certain cards. But you're giving up the ability to do other things and even score points with your special action. And you don't get special action every turn. They're slightly limited. And it's all these slight limitations just stopping you doing exactly what you want to do, which makes it an absolutely fantastic Euro game. And my number three game of the year. And it's brilliant. And you're right, Matthew. The only problem is with this game is that I think it's because it's from Renegade, they've released it and we'll never hear anything unless we stop people keep on talking about it. No one will ever hear about it ever again. So um, that's that's the problem. That's why I want to make sure everyone gets a chance to play it because I just think it's so good. Yeah, their flood tends to wash everything along with it and mm-hmm. it's always the next thing, the next thing. I know what you're saying. Yeah, so I named Root as the game that got away from me in 2018 but I think uh, in hindsight it should have probably been this one I haven't managed to play it yet I don't think I've heard a bad word against it to be honest so I think I need to play this one because everyone's raving about it so yeah hopefully soon which brings us on to my number two pick which was on Ronan's number eight and Matthew's number Four. Triple it's crossover. Over, over, over. It is Blue Lagoon, the Knitsy game from Blue Orange. Really, really strong area control game. Played over two two halves of the game. where you, you, You're spreading out. You're placing villages in the first half. And then you're spreading out again from the villages in the second half. Really cutthroat. Really mean and nasty, but in a good way. Just a thoroughly enjoyable experience. I didn't expect to like this one as much as I did, and I absolutely adored it. So that's Blue Lagoon. It's brilliant. It's Knizia back to simple, but really mean, interactive best. The reason it was my number eight, I've been sitting here thinking about why it was. So many people around me own it that I didn't bother buying it. And it's one of those that if it's in a trade or it's going secondhand or whatever, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll grab that. And I will probably get a copy. But because I didn't have it, therefore it's not in my regular rotation. So it's not one of my most played games of the year. And all the other games ahead of it, I've been played quite a lot. So that that's the reason it didn't make it in, really. I think if I had made that splash and bought it originally last autumn, this would be higher up than this because it is a brilliant game. And another one, very easy to teach, but suddenly gets very mean and you do have to put thought into it. Simple mechanisms with depth, surely that's what we're looking for. I got it from TK Maxx for, te- for £10 a few days ago because it, it came up on a Facebook group. Go to TK Maxx, I got Blue Lagoon. And I went in and I had one copy, so I bought it for tenner. And I was very happy about it because I just, I'm a massive, massive Kanitsia fan. And this is. I'm really happy for you, Matthew. Thanks for that story. <laughs> what good news? That I got a steal. 
But uh, yeah, it's it's just great, and I'm very excited about what Kanitsia's bringing out uh, at Essen as well. So, uh, what's he bringing out at Essen? Babylonia and Tajuto. I had better look at them. Yeah. And Axio Rota or something like that. Yeah, that's fine. We can leave that one. <laughs> they can't all be hits. <laughs> <laughs> it probably comes in a little tin. I guarantee it'll come in a tin. It doesn't look like it. It looks like it's in a little white box and it's some variant of Axio, which I've never played. It's but... good, but it's if it comes in a tin, I'm out. This whole anti-tin thing, I don't get... What difference does it make if it's cardboard or if it's metal? It doesn't matter. Tinist. This anti-tin movement has got to stop. Cornwall will go to ruin if this carries on. Ah, <laughs> oh, you beat me too. I just fell to make a joke. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but uh, yes, Blue Lagoon. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, I'm sure Sean was talking about it. But, you know, Sean, do you want to cap this in some way? It doesn't come in a tin. It's good. <laughs> and they can never take that away from it. <laughs> Right, I'll go to my number two, which no one else has mentioned, which is unusual at this end. So we've all mentioned each other's apart from my one and two. So, okay. (laughs) My number two is apparently an odd choice. It's Cryptid, which came from Osprey Games and is a game in which you're doing some deduction in the ing where there is a modular board, there's six big maths boards that go together they've got hexes they've got different terrains on them they've got different features and there's a whole load of scenario books for the different player counts and for each scenario the one hex where this cryptid this monster is Matthew clearly our resident expert on this uh, can only reside in that area given the clues that each player has got and your clue will say it is on this terrain, it's not on that terrain, it's within a certain number of spaces or so, of something or other. And by going around and you place a cube on the board and you say to someone specifically, can this li- can it live there? And they say yes or no. If they say no, you've got to put a cube on somewhere. And you're revealing more information and you're trying to deduct what the other player's clues are. And from that, you can then work out which is the only viable hex on the board. Now, this is always played very quickly and you can't take notes, and you can't take it too seriously, and then it's absolutely amazing. It's done in under half an hour, and and it's just thinking and braining, and you realise when people are getting close as a race, you might have to take a a punt on something, but in doing so, you're giving too much away, you see the deal for someone else. Real fun, quick game that has you thinking differently to other games, and I love it. My number two is Cryptid. What's a good player count for this game? Three's a bit tight, so probably four or five. I think that might be why it's not been on my radar, but it does look okay. fun. I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Apart from that, the artwork is quite sparse for the game, but I also think that because of the kind of game it is, maybe that helps the actual play of it. I don't know. It's because they got your man in Quadro Moria, and you put that on the oh artwork by, and you open it up and go that could have been artwork by anyone. <laughs> It's just a yellow hex, a blue hex, a green. That's why it is, I think. If they hadn't mentioned it, that he was the artist, everyone would have been like, oh, it's fine, it's very functional. But it maybe created expectations of more. That's true. And the, the worst thing you can say about the art of a board game is, well, it's perfectly functional. That's not the worst thing you can say, Blackout Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> this is not functional. Look, it's perfectly functional. <laughs> I'd love to play it, uh, Ronan. Maybe one day I'll borrow your copy. Why don't you do one? <laughs> Hostage exchange. Maybe I'll get to play Crown of Amara one of these days. He's forgotten that I've actually got his copy. Oh, how have you? Yes. <laughs> Son of a... Why do you leave it here? We have more gamers here. It's exactly. for more gamers. Not taking three-player games. Yeah, I haven't played it, of course. Yeah. 
What was the other one you took that you should Treasure Island. <laughs> Another game that needs more like at least several players. Stop taking them, you nutter. I don't think you even asked me anymore. I think you let yourself in, given you've got keys to my house. Just root through my games and steal them. As long as you never notice the pants missing, that's, that's all we need. Oh, yeah, but that's allowed. Well, that's uh, also, Sean, if you find anything on that list I gave you to, t- to rob from his house, just... just... <laughs> be You've never sounded more Birmingham, Matthew. Well, you know. <laughs> I'll sell it on Riley or Market, won't I? I did that. Which is in South London for some reason. Why that happened, I'm not sure. Right, you mug. Shall we get on to our number ones of 2018? Yes. <laughs> Sean punctured again. <laughs> All right, so am I starting this? Before? Yeah, as per the notes. Well, see, I finished cryptic. See that you're thunder. next. My number one, which is the best game of the year, so you can stop listening after I've finished speaking, is Raccoon Tycoon from Forbidden Games and uh, Glenn Drover. It is the best game of the year. I absolutely love it. It was a massive surprise hit. I don't remember who I played it with first. I'm sure they were terrible, but <laughs> it was just so good because I played it with uh, with you two first and Ronan gave the rules and after five minutes, you said, okay, let's go. And I thought, well, is there any more rules? And it was there wasn't. And it was just so quick to learn. There's five actions you're really doing on the game. And it's just, you're getting supplies uh, of resources. Then you're trying to tank the resource price by selling them right before the next person goes. And you know that they want it. And that's fantastic. Or you're triggering an auction and you're forcing everybody else to bid all their money on auctions that you don't want and then you wait until the thing that you want comes up and then you trigger because an auction goes after an auction if you don't win it and then no one's got any money and then you get what you want for free almost every part of this game is great and you're buying set collection with the uh with the train stations as well and you're also getting and then you get the special power buildings which all do ridiculous things every part of it it's a very mechanical game because it's just it's like five mechanics in a game slapped together but to all together absolutely genius best game of the year so you what you failed to mention that it was my number three and ronan's number five so another triple crossover very highly rated by all of us yeah absolutely great game we we've waxed lyrical many a time on this podcast about it such a simple rule set that really is more than the sum of its parts a fantastic game a great group experience game so yeah raccoon tycoon is a a great choice matthew I think it's very underrated. The first play of the game often sets up how how much you enjoy the game going onwards. It's very underrated how a game is taught as to how it's set off on the first foot. So I'd like to get that in first. But about (laughs) Raccoon Tycoon, (laughs) what it does is it's it's about the players. And that's the genius of the game. that It kind of gets out of the way and just lets the players interact. And you can be mean or you can do your own thing or you can stitch each other up or you can set things up and you can be a little bit devious and... All of that is fantastic. And like Matthew said, taught so quickly. This is a game that you can play with anyone. You can teach anyone this game if they're from, I'd say, eight and up. Now, an eight-year-old is not going to win it, but they can play it because it's that simple. But the more depth that you understand games, the more depth you'll find in Raccoon Tycoon. And the more there is to do and the more there is to unveil. And every single purchase of a building or of stock or whatever affects the other players. So even though if you're playing five players, this is why I think it works so well with five players, it, you know, it might take a while for your turn to come around, but you are doing stuff on other people's turns 
and you're, you need to be aware of what they're doing because what they're doing affects the value of what you've got. And all of that means that it is just a fantastic gaming experience. So it was my number five. It's ace. It is. Sean, your number one. My game of the year for 2018 is Chronicles of Crime from Lucky Duck. It scratches an itch that I didn't realize I had for an, an app-driven crime game where, where the, every, everything is so intelligently done. So you start off, you've got the 3D representation of the crime scene, completely not necessary, but what a great start to the to every game of this, where you're physically looking around the crime scene, gets you into the spirit of things. Yes, I might fall over my chair in my in my living room every now and again in my kitchen, but I'm I'm there. I'm in the crime scene. The app also drives the non. <laughs> you're very often in the crime scene, though, aren't you? So. It's not- <laughs> <laughs> oh no this was just a news agent and now it's a blooming crime scene again <laughs> but the next time you run out of boosts it'll happen again hey you leave my boost addiction out of this i've got my chair on the on the corner it ups your pep okay <laughs> anyway the npc characters on the app they actually change as the information changes in the game. So as you find out more things, their personalities and their answers all, all change as it goes. Very clever game. Love, love playing it. It's, it's broken up nicely, so you don't, you're don't you not there for hours upon end. And I just have a thoroughly, thoroughly great time with Chronicles of Crime. Chronicles of Crime was my number six for the year. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. All that Sean said. One thing I disagree with him was that I think it is necessary, that initial setup of the scene, because that's what really puts you in there, because you're looking for details, and you're trying to discern from that what's important. And by discerning what's important, that's what's going to lead you on into the story. So it does all set up. Although it is a gimmick, it's a gimmick that absolutely works, and I think is, is functional within the game. Some of the other places you go, maybe not so much. But anyway... The 3D representation, because you can you can play it without the 3D goggles and just look around the crime scene on your phone. You don't need it to be 3D. They feel like exactly the same thing to me. I don't understand 3D. <laughs> I think something's wrong with my brain. Okay. How many Ds? I've never played this game, and... The more I hear people talk about it, the more I want to try it, right? Because I think my sister would really like it and because she likes that kind of like grime solving something. She likes mysteries and that kind of thing. And I really think I'd enjoy it. But I don't know what it is about games that fall, anything that falls out of, into the kind of social deduction or deduction in general kind of games. I kind of those are two very different things. Yeah, well, social deduction <laughs> and deduction in general; those kind of two different things. Whenever a game has those in it, I often just write them off immediately because they're not two-player game experiences, right? But I do think I do want to try uh, Chronicles of Crime because there's things that I've always I've looked at before and I've thought, oh, I might try Sherlock Holmes Consultant Detective, or I might try this or that and stuff, and go, oh no. Well, Chronicles of Crime seems like the one that would get me in. You absolutely can play this two players. No bother at all. Probably best two players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I disagree, having never played. (laughs) That's good to hear. Ronan, lead us lead us out with your best game of 2018. Which neither either you two voted for. So I'm not sure how this is going to go. But it is rubbish. 
<laughs> it's Australia, the Martin Wallace game, in which it's kind of a thematic follow-up to a study in Emerald, in that um, the forces of Cthulhu and all that have been driven back, uh, and now the travel ban is over, humans can spread across the globe, and they've come to Australia to start putting industry in there and what have you but it turns out this is the last redoubt of the forces of darkness and as we spread from the coast into the outback and inland we're going to start discovering monsters so we're going to look into establish farms and mines and a train system but also these monsters are going to get woken up and come and attacking us and we all have to fight back against the monsters in the game it's on the time track system where the hindmost goes first so you choose how many actions you want to take you can build up your military you can build up your own infrastructure you can get in special characters that give you fantastic powers and you have to be careful though because if you're not ready for attacks by monsters they can come through and start nom 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 devastating all of your infrastructure and if they get to your port and attack it where you start then that will finish the game and everyone's going to score including the game a number of points meaning that someone at least must be doing something to control those forces of darkness and exploring because they score double if you haven't flipped them over driving that exploration all the time I think it's fabulous. I love the time track system. I love the fact that it's very varied. I love the fact that it's player dependent. What they do, you have to react to. I love the fact that the game itself is very simple to run and is very beatable. There's a slight issue with points that Sean hates in that if anyone does any damage to any of the old ones, they get equal share of points. Even if (laughs) I've done 14, he's done one and Matthew's done one. They're going to score as many points as me. That's irritating, but can create... The, the chance for you putting together like mobile forces of airships to go out and ping things off and you know there's different ways of playing the game and I like that and I really was surprised how much I love Australia every single gameplay feels slightly epic to me in under two hours I have played this and having heard you talk about it just I agree with everything you say because I think this game's really good and I, if I'm honest, I think this should have made it onto my top 10 because it is of the year, because it, it really is good. And it took me by so much surprise because it's a Cthulhu game, but it's a Cthulhu game I like. It's just so good. I like that it's a time track system so that you do you can do three smaller actions and you don't take... you And before someone does their one big massive action, you have to really plan out everything. And it really does... It's really special. Massively took me by surprise. I think I really rate this because all the powers are cool as well. Super cool. Those characters are just like, that one's amazing, that one's amazing, that one's amazing. Which one do I do? I know the problem with the, uh, you can just go in and stab someone in the back very briefly and then run off again. You do have to go and do that, which means you're going off instead of doing something else that you could be doing. Maybe there should be a first blood kind of like extra points for starting a battle, maybe something like that. But yeah, I think it's, I really do think it's very good. It took me massively by surprise. It really feels like it mixes two things that don't feel like they should get mixed. And that's, trains and cthulhu <laughs> but it's really good yeah there was there was lots that i did enjoy about it i thought the monsters were quite thematic and quite intelligent how they moved around and it was quite tactical you're building forward and maybe awakening those monsters in that you could disturb them and put yourself in trouble or disturb them with the express intention of sending them after somebody <laughs> else which is which is always great fun I love the powers. They, they were great. But the time track, I absolutely hate the time track. Wrong! Yeah, you are, you're, you're wrong on this. No, you two are absolute buffoons. Such, such a horrible mechanism. So I might do a, a big action and go way ahead on the time track. I'm sitting there for, for three or four turns. Sean, Francis Drake, 
No, but in this one, the turns are longer. Plus, I didn't feel like I was getting any massive benefits. There were just things I had to do, and then I jumped ahead. You were choosing to do things that took a lot of time, which gave you fewer actions. I don't like the mechanism. I also didn't enjoy, as Ron has already mentioned, the nipping in and stealing equal points for somebody who's already been at battle with an ancient one for about seven rounds. (laughs) Irritating. Top of that, I found the actual battle mechanism to be really repetitive. The first couple of times it was quite exciting turning over the cards. And then it was, yeah, okay, I'll turn over another card. I'll turn over another. This is one of the only games where I've thought, this would be fun if it was dice instead of cards. But I understand why it's cards, because it gives the designers so much more control over the actual power of things, right? But yeah, I do think it could be more, maybe more exciting if it was dice. But I will just say also that the artwork on the cards is just incredible. I needed to mention that because it's phenomenal. And I love the card system because I think there's more control and there's more probability and you can understand what you know what's going on. That is your one thing that I don't understand. The other things I can understand, you've got to wait between turns and time track. The nipping in for stealing points, I understand that that's annoying. This one with the cards is the one thing I'm like, what? It doesn't, flip a card, that happens. Flip a card, that happens. Flip a card. It's so quick and it's no different to rolling dice. But you'll sit and play a game that's like, roll 20 dice. You're constantly flipping over cards. You spend half the game flipping over cards. It's, it's a battle. There's loads of battle in the game, and it just becomes boring and repetitive. It loses, and it's a game. A word that I use quite often is that you know, I like has a bit of theatre in the game, and it just that the theatre of that just goes, and that just becomes mundane and boring and tedious. We need a mediator on that mechanic. We're never going to agree on it. <laughs> okay. But that was my number one, Australia. I think that there's three clear games that have come through that we've all liked for the year, more or less. Well, Australia obviously comes first. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> so what we got? Blue Lagoon, probably, the, probably up there. A Raccoon Tycoon, the obvious winner, I think. And then... You did agree before that we can put Castell in there, even though you haven't played it, because we had it at three and two. Well, Ca- Castell, yeah, Castell and Chronicles of Crime, I think, they're the top yeah. four. Because Matthew might like it. Because Matthew might like it. <laughs> I think I definitely will like it. Th- those are four very, very good games. I think we can agree. I think it's, yeah, I think it's been a pretty strong year, actually. I think it's, oh, this was hard to do. I definitely had 20 good games. Yeah, for sure. And as we found out today in the episode, there's so many games that are popping up that I was going, yeah, that probably should have been in my top 10. That should <laughs> You're going to have like a, a two and a half and a three and a half and a four. And a <laughs> <laughs> my 1.2. <laughs> I was going to say, so that's why it's so important to kind of like re-look at this halfway through or more than halfway through now, uh, 2019, because it does change. You don't get time to play all the games of 2018 by December in ready to say these are the best games of the year because there's so many games that I've only just, like I've only just played Everdale. Still, there's probably still games from, there are definitely still games in 2018 that I've not played that would probably make it into these lists. So it's, it's just very interesting in that way, I think. I know you did one, but honestly, top 10 lists that come out right at the beginning of, of the year, I just don't even look at them. Because there's no way. Yeah. There's no way it's an informed opinion. But And again, as we all know, so many games come out in the middle of October that gives you, you know, a few weeks yeah. to play them at Essen. Yeah. That there's no chance. Maybe it doesn't take till October. Maybe we've trashed it a bit. <laughs> but that's why we do the top 10 somewhere in, around the middle of the year. It has to be done by Essen. Let's face it. We need to get this done. <laughs> Barely scraping it. <in. laughs> 
Okay, speaking of Essen, we're all going to be on the Dice Tower booth at some point. This might be a chance to tell people you can come and see us. Well, let's just point out that people listened to the first one. You guys were mocking me for not going, so obviously I am going now. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, that was more fun when it was like that. I'm glad you're going, but it was quite fun mocking you for not going. Was that the show in which I was saying, Sean, you're going? Stop saying you're not going. You're definitely going to go. Probably, possibly. Quite possibly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, uh, Sean and I, are going to be on the booth between four and six on Friday and then between noon and two on Saturday. So if you're around, please come over to the Dice Tower booth. One or both of us will be there. We have got to jump in and out during those two hours. We've got a couple of appointments here and there, but definitely one of us will be there. Matthew, you came to me earlier that you weren't on the schedule, but you are, so I'll tell you when you're on off air so that you don't get a surprise. Oh, I've been written down. I thought I was just choosing when I got to do it. No, you're definitely on there. As long as your name is Jude, then yeah, you're on the schedule. Well, I don't know how happy I'm going to be about this. Anyway, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to make Matthew come for some of the time that we're on there so that we we can see him and hug him and touch him. Well, we've got to touch him. It's not not Essen if I don't get to touch him. Right. Thank you, Matthew, for joining us for our top 10 of 2018. It's been a painless experience. Isn't it good that it's done now? Doesn't that feel like some conclusion in our lives? No, because I've got about six hours of editing to do. So, <laughs> <laughs> And Matthew, I, I know you, you've been very coy about telling us what you do in the, throughout the episode. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, what you do? I am employed by the government to keep a series of secrets. That That's the only bit that's going to make it to air, by the way. <laughs> so there, I'll do those things. So thank you, Ronan. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on again. Thank you very much for having me on. And as always, we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there for the Dice Tower itself. No, go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. You can download the episodes on Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean and Spotify. And if you wish to find us on social media, we're on a Facebook page, we are on Instagram, but the main one for us is Twitter, and it's at GamePit Podcast. Don't forget that we have our YouTube channel, where we have our pit stop videos, that are overviews on many, many different games, and we also do a little bit of convention coverage. If you wish to email us, we're on thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. But the best place to contact us is always on our guild at Board Game Geek. Thank you so much for listening to the episode, and we'll catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron. Matthew say boy, Matthew say boy, or play your guitar or your tin whistle. That was very, that was very nice. I like that one.